Hello, I'm Richard Hurley, the BMJ's Features and Debates Editor. Our latest head-to-head debate asks, should gluten-free foods be available on prescription? And the reason we ask is that a fair few cash-strapped CCGs have stopped prescription of the gluten-free foods that are essential to people with celiac disease. I'm joined today by Gemma Gleed, the mother of a patient with celiac disease, James Cave, a GP from Newbury, and David Sanders, Professor of Gastroenterology in Sheffield. Gemma, you stopped being able to get prescribed gluten-free staple foods in 2015. How has life changed? Um, it's affected us quite badly because um, with money and things because obviously the gluten-free products cost a lot more than standard products. But um, a, a gluten-free loaf of bread for my daughter will cost over double what it would cost for a normal loaf of bread and it'll be half the size of a normal loaf of bread. So costs have been a massive factor and it it makes it awkward because you can't get things locally either you have to go to the big supermarkets you know, whereas normally you could just pop to the little local shop and get a loaf of bread you have to drive several miles to go and get a loaf of bread and then you've got to hope that they've actually got the things in stock David how how common is this change among CCGs and how many people could be affected by this kind of move Adult celiac disease affects about 1% of the general population, of which currently only a quarter are diagnosed. So that's about 0.25% in total. And uh, what we're seeing is that this uh, change is gathering pace. It's probably more than 40% of CCGs across England. I hasten to add that Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland are not involved at present, uh, and it's marching. So I think... Um, the more CCGs that are successful in uh, forcing this change in, the more likely it's going to become the norm. And I mean, one of the points you make in your argument is that no other uh, treatment is seeing this kind of um, cost cutting. Um, can you elaborate a bit on, on that? Yes, absolutely. This is a unique situation because uh, celiac disease is an autoimmune disease, and for other autoimmune diseases, there are usually drug therapies. The treatment for celiac disease exclusively is a dietetic intervention with the removal of gluten. So this would be the first disease to have its treatment uh, removed or slashed by the government. Had this disease had a tablet or medication attached, I'm sure that wouldn't have been the case. What do you think about that, James? Um, I think it's I, I think it's a very difficult area, and like a lot of things in life, if, if you were going to if you were going to design the NHS today, you wouldn't design it the way it's been it is now. Um, and we have a complete lottery about who gets what in the NHS, free or on prescription. If you have a true allergy to wheat, let's say not not a hype, not an autoimmune disease, but if you actually have a true allergy to wheat. You can't get your um, uh, gluten-free or wheat-free products on the NHS. If you have any other sort of dietary allergy, you don't get uh, prescription dr- uh, treatments, even though that is the treatment for your allergy. And whilst I appreciate that there are people at the boundaries of um, our society who, who might find this difficult, actually the majority of people now are, are finding access to a wide range of dietary things, be them gluten-free or other, are now increasingly, they can do that at their supermarket, they can order online, they can have home deliveries. 
And actually, the poor old NHS is creaking along trying to do this in an old-fashioned way with a prescription with your GP through to a pharmacist who orders it um, and, and, you know, has to order a month at a time. And it's just, I think, actually, for the majority of patients with celiac disease, it adds to the difficulty they already have keeping to a gluten-free diet. David, what do you think about that? I mean, gluten-free food seems ubiquitous now. All the supermarkets have a section. There's delivery. Should the NHS be playing grosser, as James Cave has put it in his article? Yes, I, I think that's an, an interesting point, but a point for which it is really an opinion. The evidence base, which is published, is that the, the cost of, of gluten-free is three to four times that of an equivalent product. And the second aspect to this is about access, which, again, uh, if, as, as Gemma suggested, it is not accessible unless you go to large retail stores or um, supermarkets. So where does that leave people? It leaves people with a health inequality. The people who will be affected will be those who have low incomes and those who are infirm or unable to use the Internet uh, or elderly. And fundamentally, that is breaching a tenant of the NHS. One of the important points, and this is, is um, central to your uh, no debate, um, which is that actually they could have an alternative system such as having a voucher scheme. The problem is no one is implementing that. Sorry. Um, well, I, I, thought, I, thought, I, thought York, I thought York had uh, piloted that. York are the only centre to have piloted it, and uh, even there, they are now talking about moving towards a prepaid card. And one of the issues with, with that, which local GPs are, are explaining to me, is that actually you then don't have control on what's being purchased with that prepaid card. So we are potentially moving to a scheme where we don't really know what we're giving patients or what they're obtaining. I, I agree with you that the, the, the payment or pharmacy prescription approach is um, arcane, but until somebody actually deals with that en masse, to pick out one single disease and, and base our practice for those patients by slashing it uh, seems incredible. I wonder what Gemma would say. Yeah, I think the, the idea of a voucher system is good in theory, but there are downfalls to it because Obviously, people who live in rural areas don't necessarily have access to a main supermarket. Um, from what I understand, the, the um, trial in York, they actually were only given vouchers for Marks and Spencers. So if they only give them for certain specific stores, it's going to be very limiting to people who don't drive, who live out in rural areas, um, and things like the vouchers need to be available to use online. If they live in rural areas, they may need to be able to do online orders. If the vouchers aren't available to use online, then they're useless to them. It seems like there's a lot of work to be done, uh, you know, in looking at, at, at what happens once the, the system of prescriptions is taken away and there's nothing... Um, nothing left. James, why, why are CCGs seeing gluten-containing food specifically as a, as, as a legitimate place to save? I mean, there's been some media campaigns around this, I think. I, I, I mean, I obviously can't speak for CCGs. Um, I sit on the Area Prescribing Committee um, 
for our local area. Um, and obviously, I see a lot of drug treatments come and go uh, through the committee, which are expensive and which have got um, issues around cost effectiveness. Um, I, I, think, I think there's another issue here, which um, I think is worth just highlighting. I don't know whether it's important or not. But I think we need to remember that um, gluten-free products are a highly refined uh, product. Uh, and I think one has to say that their health benefits per se probably are um, not great. And I think that there's um, an issue here around trying to ensure, particularly in these days of obesity and high carbohydrate intake, you can live your life with celiac disease without ever having to buy anything with gluten-free on the side. Now, I appreciate that that would limit your diet, particularly the Western diet that we're used to here. And, and I do worry that there, is, there are forces behind the gluten um, uh, lobby, which are high industry uh, forces. And uh, you know, I was particularly concerned to read the new NICE guidelines on celiac disease and find that the majority of clinicians who wrote that guideline had worked for the industry in one way or another. So I think there is an issue here where we may be, it's not just patient voices we're hearing, which as I say, I think there's a 60-40 split on that. But actually, I just worry that the biggest noise is actually lobbying from industry. David, do you have anything to say about, about that, th th those issues, about uh, whether this could be part of something that's good in terms of reducing the total number of carbohydrates consumed um, and, and about conflicts of interest? Of course. So in answer to the first question, um, we're not talking about um, pastries and, and luxury items. We're talking about bread, which is a staple diet for Western world. To suggest that there's somehow we are paternalistically benefiting our patients by saying to them, you mustn't have such things. Try to just live your life uh, free of gluten by eating rice or potatoes, which is broadly what you're suggesting, um, it is incredible. My daughter, um, she takes packed lunches to school because, I, because I'm concerned about um, contamination from the kitchens at school. So obviously she needs something she can take to school in a packed lunchbox. So she will take either a sandwich or she will have breadsticks or crackers. So she needs something of that staple to be able to take in a packed lunch. No, I mean, I, I, you're absolutely right. Um, absolutely right. And I, and I, but I, I just think that it's, in, it, it, it's important that we understand that, that industry here has a benefit to see increasing diagnosis and increasing treatment. Um, and that can, that can hugely bias and sway treatments, not, not only across um, conditions such as celiac disease, but across the whole health agenda. And as a GP, I see that all the time, and we can see it with diabetes at the moment, with a huge increase in drugs with marginal benefit for these patients, when really what we should be doing is looking much harder at lifestyle. And I think that all I'm trying to put across here is that we're in danger of just focusing on a treatment rather than focusing on the whole issue globally, both lifestyle and, and approach to life. And I think that's all I'm trying to get across perhaps pretty poorly, is that actually there's more to this than just products that you prescribe to patients. I think what people forget is that this is a disease. It is not 
a choice. There are a lot of people out there who make the choice to go on a gluten-free diet. For a celiac, that is not a choice. My daughter, before she was diagnosed, she was diagnosed at two. She became ill at 18 months old. She was vomiting up to 20 times a day. She had constant diarrhea. She lost over a third of her body weight. And I was begging the GPs to help her before she died because I could see every bone in her body. And for her, a gluten-free diet saved her life because if she had continued any longer, she would have been hospitalised. So it is not a choice. She needs gluten-free food to live. If she doesn't have it, she becomes extremely ill. And to remove what is essentially her medication when you would not remove that from any other patient with any other disease is just awful. James, do, do, do you still, does your CCG still prescribe gluten-free food? We do, yes. And uh, we're actually quite generous. And one of the problems we have is um, our neighbouring CCGs are reducing their um, uh, prescribing. And, of course, that puts pressure on the individual CCGs to do the same. And, of course, there's always the risk that you get a race to the bottom. Um, but, I, 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 you know, I just... For all the reasons um, we've talked about, I just think that the concept of a GP writing prescriptions and a pharmacist doing it, and, and I think the other thing we haven't spoken about too is the scandal of the cost difference between um, a loaf of bread that you buy from Tesco and for celiac disease, a gluten-free loaf, and the cost to the NHS ordering that same loaf of bread through the pharmacy. And I'm not suggesting there's any... Um, sort of uh, anything. Well, if, if we look at um, a genius sli uh, loaf of bread, um, you're talking about at Tesco, it's about between 51, about 51p per 100 grams. So a 515 gram loaf of Tesco genius, well, genius bread bought at Tesco would cost you £2.70. The same loaf of bread, the NHS will pay £3.73 for. So, so you know, if the NHS went to Tesco and bought the bread, they would save a pound a loaf. And if you've got, if you can imagine, if, you, if we're asking about, you know, one percent or 0.25 percent of the population buying X number of loaves of bread a week, we're talking about something which is costing the NHS a lot of money unnecessarily. And it's and it's because of the ridiculous supply chain that the NHS has to use using wholesalers and pharmacy. And all the sort of people along the way that take their um, their costs out of it, you know that that to me is just appalling, and I and I don't know why it's been allowed to continue. Frankly, I share your view, James. The system is archaic; it is frustrating, and all the sentiments which you described. But the result is the punishment of a group of patients with a specific disease. This system doesn't work. It's really frustrating. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut your treatment completely. And there is nothing else other than what you mentioned with York that is being, there's no attempt to actually help these patients. It's simply cutting them adrift. They are low-hanging fruit, and, and that's why they're an easy target. Okay, we need to wrap that up there. A very interesting debate, and I'm sure there's much more we could discuss. Let's get some final points from you all before we finish. James Cave? No, I, I, I just think that, um, as I've said already, 
I think the difficulty we have here is the NHS is under enormous strain. And as has already been mentioned, it, it's sometimes quite easy to pick um, simple little things to, to, to cut rather than uh, the more complex things like cancer drugs, etc. And I think that does leave a lot of celiac patients in a, in a very difficult position. Um, but as I said, I think also, you know, my, my concern is that actually um, the, whole, the, the whole food industry in itself is something that needs looking at as a whole. And I think I, I don't understand why um, the Tesco's and other big uh, supermarkets can't provide gluten-free products to patients with celiac disease. David, any final words? Yes, I, I would finish by saying this. I don't believe that any such approach would be taken for any other disease. And when you consider celiac disease, if there was an immunosuppressive drug involved and not food, this would never happen. And we then have to then consider the wider implications, which is this is the first condition to have such healthcare policy restrictions applied. And if it's implemented through the NHS uh, in England, which I believe it will be across the board, then it's only a matter of time before our paymasters start applying that to other misunderstood diseases. Gemma Glee, do you have any, any final words? Yeah, I think I just want people to understand that it is not a fad diet. It's not a choice. This is something that these that people who have celiac disease, they have to have this diet. And for them to be able to follow that diet, they need to be able to afford it. And with having the prescriptions removed, it has become very hard for people. And it's, it's not just what celiac disease is, it's the knock-on effects that it has to the body if the diet is not adhered to. The damage that can be done inside a celiac body is awful. And when you see things like how it affects the villi and the intestines, that they flatten, that they stop absorbing nutrients, my daughter, bless her, was effectively starving to death from inside out before she was diagnosed. And it was awful to watch. As a parent, to see your child go through that is horrendous. Nobody should have to do that. And the comfort of having the gluten-free prescriptions was massively important to me when she was first diagnosed. So I knew that everything she had was safe. And it, it's, it makes a massive difference to people to know that what they're eating is okay. Thanks very much. Gemma Glee, James Cave, David Sanders, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers. You can read the articles online, and as ever, we'd be delighted to know what you think, so please send us a rapid response. We republish the best as formal letters to the editor. And you can listen to other debates in our archive on SoundCloud or by subscribing to iTunes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>